Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Chewing the Gristle podcast with me, your host, Greg Cock, Gregory Cockery, the Gristle Man, if you will. We have extemporaneous conversations with musical friends from all genres, walks of life, and nostril circumferences. Brought to you by our good friends at Wildwood Guitars in beautiful Louisville, Colorado, and Fishman Transducers of beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. Can you dig it? You know what? This next individual is a snarky puppy and a fearless flyer. But what's more is he is a guitar-wielding, I'm going to say savage, demon of the day and of the night. Have I said that before? I'm going to say it again. Mark Letiri's coming at you right now. Come. Today we have a majestic guitar beast and pal of mine, Mark Letiri, and never you fear me. He's down in Texas right now, where it's piping hot. It's miserable. Some air conditioning malfeasance. Yeah, that's right. Which I think we've since, I think we're good. I think so far. Well, it's better to have air conditioning malfeasance. I had a little bit of sewage malfeasance Ooh. last week where I had to get the uh, the dude over with the skish, 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 skish. Oh, that's right. That was um, all that Wisconsin cheese just blocking up the pipes. That's right. That'll happen. You, well, you've met me and my son, so you know that we like to feast. That's true. <laughs> and when you feast, there is a result. Of There's, the a payload. There's a payload. There's a payoff. <laughs> So how the heck are you? What you been doing? I see you all the time online making these majestic videos, talking uh, well, out baritone. <laughs> I mean, that's been a lot of what I've been doing, you know, um, ever since the, the whole gig calendar just evaporated. Yes, it uh, yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, I still I'm still staying a little active on the social media thing and then uh, trying to write some tunes and record some stuff. I've, I've been busy, though, um, a lot of. A lot of session work here at the house just from Excellent. various clients coming in and emailing me stuff to do. So that's always been fun. And uh, I was teaching a little bit, a couple, couple, couple students here and there for a while. Right. Um, not doing that so much anymore, but uh, doing like online clinic kind of stuff. I've right. like live stream clinics and things like that. So just very random thing because some gear demos, you know, yep. I mean, just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Staying busy. And, and I'm home, you know, so it's like I'm, you know, I'm dadding 100% yes. of the time, which there, there's, you know, so that's good. I can dig it. Yeah, You're man. in Fort Worth, Texas. Is that correct? Hometown yes. of one Cornell Dupree. That's right. And Dean Parks. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, and Ornette Coleman, I think. And Dewey Redman. Uh, Kirk Franklin. Uh, Leon Bridges. There's a lot of music from Fort Worth that people might, uh, they need to know about. They need to know about it. It's all part yeah. of what you is. It's called the Metroplex down there, right? Correct. Whole- yeah. So they call it the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, and it's it's really kind of a spectacular place because you have Dallas to the east and Fort Worth to the west, and then in the middle it's like the mid cities. Uh, you could think of it almost as like a lot. What people say, Los Angeles. It's but it, but it's like the whole thing. You know, there's all right. these towns, and there's in you know Santa Monica and Encino and Venice and all. Right. Dallas Fort Worth is very much kind of. The, kind of similar just this big metropolitan sprawl but um each little pocket has its own kind of music scene and sound and uh, stuff and, so and prior to 
uh, of course, the pestilence that hit. Would you say that that Metroplex has a robust club scene that could sustain livelihoods for individuals? It, do- it does. It, uh, in fact, there are a lot of professional musicians here that just play in the Metroplex, uh, whether it's club gigs, uh, private private you know weddings private parties that kind of thing uh there's a lot of churches here so a lot of musicians have a church that they play with um a lot of yeah i mean there's a a lot of work here you know um which is kind of what's kept me here for so long (laughs) yeah i was going to talk to you so you're originally from from the the bay Bay area Area. yeah and then you actually went to school in texas for like advertising and relations (laughs) i know which is which is crazy but it's a little odd. I mean, it's not. I, it's not I, I odd. Want to ask you about that. Was it because of? Because I know I experienced it. The shall we say, parental. <laughs> let's go with hesitation. <laughs> um, a little bit. I, I would. They never forced me into doing anything, um, and they've always been supportive of muse of my life as a musician and my passion for for making music. Um, but they were both PR professionals in oh, okay. Silicon Valley where I grew up. So that whole thing, you know, my mom used to work for Apple computer. My dad used to work for sun Microsystems. So like that, the whole like tech PR world was like just the dinner table conversation for a lot of, you know, growing up. And so I, I was interested in it and, and thought it was cool and wanted to at least kind of discover it, uh, as a potential career field. Um, but you know how it is when you're when you're you really have a passion for something that's all you think about and and i I, it was like there was one internship that i did at a pr firm in in san francisco and it was a great experience but i just found myself wishing i was playing music (laughs) so it was like well you know mom and dad like i think this is what i want to do and they said great like graduate get your degree you never know when you're going to use it and I use it a lot. I the, mean, the, 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 you know, the, the classic line of every parent, get your degree right. so you have something. Yeah. You know, get your degree. Well, I don't know if they use the word so you'll have something to fall back on because they right. never That's they weren't. It wasn't like that. He's not going to, you know. Yeah. Like right. he'll be back in PR. Like they were never like that. They were just like, sure. just get your degree, you know, do your thing. Like we're here for you. But, you know, we're happy. This is this is what you want to do. Go for it. You know, so thankfully I, I had came from parents that were like that. Um, and, but to say, I, I do actually use the degree a lot in, in my, in my work as a, as a player now, because I mean, so much of what we do is, is on social media and it's promotion and it's brand building and it's that whole thing. And so I do take some lessons from kind of what I learned in school and apply it to how I sort of behave. <laughs> I can you know? dig it. Yeah. Well, we've done some gigs together. We've had some fun. We're, yeah, we've we certainly have. Yeah, a big one in the forest. In the forest in of the Tennessee. woods. Yeah. We're Which going is good because we're going to need to spread ourselves out from each other quite a bit to make it. Yes, it was. Uh, I, I needed to. Um, uh, folks were talking about the woodshed experience that Andy Wood put together that Mark and I will be a part of. And and Joe Bonamassa is going to be down there, and uh, Brett Mason, and of course, the mighty Andy Timmons. Oh yeah, uh, all old pals, really. So we should have a good old time. Yeah, I, I, well, I feel like you, me, Timmons, and Wood are always doing something together. I've never right. met Brett or Joe yet, but I'm uh, Brent or Joe. But I, I'm really looking forward to to playing. Yeah, it'll be a good time. I, I know Joe yeah. a bit. We, we did a little tour together years ago, and that's when we got to be. 
uh, Pally. And then when he comes yeah. in, we usually hang out and stuff. And so that would be fun. Brett Mason, it was, it's kind of a funny story, a non sequitur. Years ago, uh, uh, kind of when the internet first started as musicians, there it wasn't so much, obviously, Instagram wasn't around yet. Facebook really wasn't around, but there were like the chat rooms, you know. Oh, um, the forums. Yeah, the forums. Thank you. Okay. And, uh, and there was a Telecaster guitar forum. Yeah. And some guy took a Brent Mason song, took one of my tunes, that live spank it medley or whatever, and then somebody else's, and then posted it as an example of his playing. Wow. And, um, which we, I, for, I forgot, we, we had it, it was some, you know, some gate. It was, you know, Shredder Gate or whatever. <laughs> this guy, you know, trying to pretend that he was uh, wow. individuals. And uh, and Brett Mason is the guy that came. He said, hey, that's my song. And then he found out that it was me. And so we, we've kind of known each other since then. And Weird. then a, a, a funny thing is uh, uh, probably 10 years ago now, I don't know, the time flies. But we were, uh, I was in Germany at uh, Music Mesa doing one of those, um, you know, they have the two stages side by side and one okay. stage and the other stage is getting ready to go. So I'm playing, I think, you know, with a trio and we're playing and, and I occasionally do a little version of the Folsom Prison. I'm doing my and I look and standing immediately to my right is Brett Mason just standing there. And I <laughs> and I walked over what? and I go, I stole this shit from you. And he goes, uh. show it back. <laughs> it was just one of those moments where it's like, that's pretty cool. So awesome. he's a good guy. He's yeah, he's, he, I mean, he's such an insane player. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I that's what's so crazy about these camps is like I'm I'm always like, what am I doing here? Like I, I I'm gonna be like I'm there as a camper, <laughs> just as much you know, just to learn some stuff from you guys. Oh man, I'll tell you what, your your playing is so delightful when people uh well. You know, a lot of people, what are, who are the young guys? You know, they're always wondering, you know, who are the young guys? Like, listen, as a guitar player, most of us have our heads so far up our own butts. Do you think we're aware of every new player that's out there? Of course oh, not. Man. But I know of this Mark Letiri. Oh, well, and, no, um, and I always mention you because it's such a delightful combination of, uh, uh, of, of a true mastery of the emotive side of playing, but a really tasteful use of advanced harmony. And it's thanks, man. Hell, great tones. I dig it. I dig you, Mark. Uh, I I, the feeling is mutual, sir. Well, Much diggish, you. mutual digging. We're like two shovels. <laughs> Skiscoidal. Skiscoidal. <laughs> well, it's going to be a super fun weekend, man. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So let's talk a little bit about how your career developed. I mean, you've done amazing stuff. I mean, you've got Grammy awards, you've done sessions for huge artists, your Instagram presence, just your social media game is immense. And your solo stuff has been getting a lot of good nods too. And you got some excellent chart placements. I saw I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> so let's talk about how you're, you're in Texas. You go there to go to school under different auspices and yeah start gigging around and i know the snarky puppy guys were north texas state guys were you kind of involved in that circle because kind of, of sort of so it was kind of interesting i met them well i'll just back up so so when i was finishing school i had already started playing around town and meeting musicians i had a band you know just like a rock band that we would play at bars till two in the morning and try to get our you know our instrumental weird soul rock fusion stuff on the local radio but you know just like as any band does anyway so i was playing around with this band and slowly kind of starting to do 
just gigs as a freelance player. And I was working a lot in the gospel scene here uh, because that's a big, a big scene right. in DFW. And um, cause I love the music. I love the players. I love the, the whole vibe of it. So, so that was what I was kind of pursuing kind of more on a, like as a initial professional level was in this gospel R and B scene. And through that met the guys in snarky puppy uh, who were all uh, like jazz students up at the University of North Texas. And then we all just started kind of mixing together at the, at the jam sessions in Dallas, basically. Got it. Um, and so that's kind of how I got together with them. Um, well, on that, on that subject, you know, when you, uh, a lot of that stuff seems, I mean, there's a lot of uh, cool ostinato patterns and, and there, and there's definitely parts, how much of that stuff when they bring in a tune is like charted out or how much is it is like, Hey, check out, why don't I do this line? Hey, why don't we do that line while they're doing this? How much of is, or is yeah. it like, no, this is the tune. It's a little bit of both. I mean, the song the well, the thing is we don't write as a band cause nothing would ever get done. There's just too many people and <laughs> opinions. Right. <laughs> um, cause everyone in the band is an artist and a writer and a producer. And so it's, so it was just be, it would just be a mess. Right. So the, the tunes are written by an individual, and most of the time, um, they're, they're usually demoed out in some case. We don't have charts. We don't have sheet music. So it's all learned by ear. Uh, lately, now that everyone's got Logic or Pro Tools or whatever, we'll actually just send the sessions to each other so people can kind of see the individual parts that they're supposed to check out and learn. Got it. Uh, and then when we get into the studio, assuming everyone's kind of done their homework, we'll start playing things through. Uh, you know, and then start making adjustments here and there. Like a lot of times it'll be like, well, you know, I envisioned this for the guitar, but it actually sounds better being played by keyboards or something or, or vice versa. You know, it's like, well, this melody was originally going to be for horns, but maybe the guitar should also play it or something. So, so that kind of will arrange stuff together like that as a band. Um, and that's kind of how it goes. I mean, the, the, between the three guitar players, there's a lot of bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, so speaking of this three guitar player, so how often is it is it like a one guy's playing and one guy's not, or do you all three sometimes. play? Or sometimes, yeah, it's it's all of the above. Okay, there are some sections where you know two guys will lay out and just one guy will play, or there are sections where all three of us are playing. Um, I play a lot of baritone in the studio just because that's the texture and it's the things that I've gravitated towards, and so it, it's it's in, it's usually something that I know. Uh, won't get in the way necessarily of what another guitar player is doing. And we can find a place for it in the mix. Um, you know, we, we use a lot of the diff different stuff. Um, sometimes one of the guys will play a hammer tone. I don't know if you ever heard of a hammer tone. No, it's a 12 string electric guitar. Well, it's a 12 string electric guitar in mandolin octave. Oh, or one octave up base. So if you took a capo and just put it on the 12th fret of a 12 string guitar, that's what it that's is. That's what you get. And so you, so one of the guys, like, I mean, we'll, someone sends us, brings in a tune of the band and the three guitar players, we're all just being like, well, maybe I should, what should we play? And someone will just grab a hammer tone. I'll grab a baritone guitar. And then right. there's, then we have diversity in the spectrum. Like so we're always trying to find sounds, you know, so that we don't step on each other's toes and play the same thing. And I got, which you. we don't really anyway, cause we're all pretty different players, which is a, which is a big part of why it works with three with three of us. Cause if we were all kind of the same, yeah, I think she would actually be harder. Obviously you, you took a page out of the Leonard Skinner book. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, actually, we took a page out of the new Iron Maiden book. Now mm. they have three the guitar players. Indeed. That's funny. I like it. Well, speaking yeah. of weird, speaking of Iron Maiden or whatever, <laughs> okay. what kind of music were you listening to as a young and when you first started playing? What was your major influence to start playing the guitar in the first place? It was what it was on the radio, which was like grunge. You know, I, this was like the, probably the mid, mid to late mid nineties, I think is when I kind of started playing guitar. And, um, I'd already so, had my soul broken, but uh, <laughs> no, do tell <laughs> that's for another podcast. Probably you got to pay a fee for that one. Um, so it was, it was the, you know, the local modern rock radio station was playing Pearl jam and smashing pumpkins and Soundgarden and stone temple pilots and all these great bands that I, I grew up really liking. And so that was my first, kind of introduction into into the electric guitar but then as i started really learning it Jimi hendrix came into play and uh one of the first you know riffs i guess i ever learned was like hey joe or something like that you know but i was learning that as this yeah because it's an easy thing to teach on tablature which is what i was learning so it was like i learned like smells like teen spirit on tablature and then hey joe on tablature and then it was like oh wait there's tablature on the internet and now I can download all this kind of stuff and learn all these tunes. So it was like the grunge thing. And then my friends and I got into Hendrix and we were just like, Oh wow, you could do this with a guitar. Like what? And then, so that became the thing. And then, you know, as I started kind of progressing, um, sort of more technically and it, what's always fun about learning guitar is at that age is when you learn with your friends Oh, and, yeah. and you can play with your friends and you can share licks and try to progress together. Oh, check this guy out. Check. So we were all trying to find different things to share with each other. And I brought in Joe Satriani because uh-huh. a friend of mine from school was knew I was learning guitar. And he was like, man, if you love guitar, dude, you got to check out this guy, Joe Satriani. There's no words. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's no words to get in the way of the guitar. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's what I need in my life, you know? And Perfect. so we, so, you know, Satch became like the guy, like for me and my peer group and he was a Bay area dude. So we could go see him play. Right. And, uh, so that was really influential. And then we started getting into like jazz oriented stuff like Steely Dan, you know, um, right. I remember Herbie Hancock was a big mind expander for all of us and Stevie wonder. And then we were like, okay, we need to get into funk. So it was like George Clinton and right. parliament and, you know, uh, all these different things just started blending, you know, so I was listening to Megadeth and I was listening to brothers Johnson at the same time as you do, as you do. Why not? You know? And, uh, and that's how we got here. (laughs) I think I can dig it. So when you were in college, did you have a band while you were in college? I did. Yeah. It was like a rock soul original project. And, And in college, I got really into Prince uh, I got really into King's X. Oh, yeah. And so, like, now the stuff I was coming up with was sort of a weird... But I've always been really influenced by soul music and really influenced by heavy music. And uh-huh. so it's it's currently... I sort of try to navigate that middle ground somehow. <laughs> I can dig so, it. And in college, I started getting into gospel music, too, you know, and, right. and that kind of stuff, which, which came... I, I took to it because I had a decent blues vocabulary and a decent groove vocabulary but then with the with gospel uh that's where i started learning more about harmony and and chords and chord progressions that were not pop yeah it's an amazing thing i um i could totally concur with that because there's 
and I kind of put it as, um, for lack of a better term, because there's really no, uh, and I don't mean to sound jaded by this, but because there's no substantive money to be made in jazz, there isn't a lot of, uh, careful how I say this, uh, evolution on a commercial basis. You know what I mean? Hmm. So the music's not really advancing in a way that's that's palatable to um, the non-jazz enthusiast. You know what I mean? Whereas I gospel music, because it's being fueled by this, this industry and because it's a thing that's still happening, still vibrant, the harmonies and so on, it's, it seems to be advancing. You know what I mean? So it's hmm. like you, they have this, um, you, you go in and you're like hearing these chord changes. Like, what is that? Well, that's not typical uh, jazz right. standard fare. It's right. like this whole other language. And then after you're sitting there listening for a while, you're like, oh, they've done that. But you know what I mean? It's like you hear things that are part of the vocabulary, but it's a whole different vocabulary. Right. Yeah. It's you know funny to see sense? how. Absolutely. And it's 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 interesting to see how all that stuff is kind of related. I mean, I always like to say, like, I learned about diminished chords and minor six chords and melodic minor because of gospel music. Right. Not yeah. really because of jazz necessarily, even though obviously that type of stuff is in both forms. You know, gospel is interesting because there's there's elements of classical music in there sometimes. Right. You know, and there's tons of jazz and then all of it usually really grooves really great. Right. So. That's why I think it can touch so many people because if I mean like if your stuff is getting people to move, you've won you've that's half the battle. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. So And of yeah. course it always there's always seems to be a good dose of Hammond B three, which I'm a sucker. Oh you got you gotta love the organ. Yeah. Totally. Oh yeah. You know about that. Oh indeed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We had Toby in town this past bit. weekend. We hadn't seen him in a while because he's you know, he's five hours away. So we got to the point where I could have him put up at a, a place that wasn't here and we masked up. We did a little recording and then we played together. It was just so nice to be able to play together again. That's cool, man. Fabulous. That's really That's cool. Part of the great struggle. Well, let's talk a little bit about some gear. All right. I like gear. <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, some people don't, I guess. But yeah, we do. We do. All right. So actually, there's a you like those uh, it's, it's grosh guitars, right? Yeah. And that yeah. he's, he's a he's a Colorado fellow. He's a Colorado dude. So I keep group. looking over here just so you know that the screen. Is that where Colorado here. is? Like if you look. Yeah. So if I want to look at you, I got to go like this. I'm like, oh, oh I see. One yeah. of these days, I'll actually line the things up so it doesn't look weird. So you're just looking into a camera right now. I'm looking into a camera. Oh, okay. Nice. And it's a there's a giant donut light thing. Which oh, the donut black. light. I need a donut light. I have a desk lamp, and it makes me look like I have some sort of like. I don't know. Oh, yes. It looks... Uh, I don't look good. I look like I'm at the dentist office about to... <laughs> you know, so I'm going to turn that off. It's just going to be dark. That's fine. Yeah, so it. I got this little Logitech camera that's in the middle of this donut thing, but the donut is really bright, so I got it on the lowest uh. setting, and it's just... And sometimes if I tilt my head, the circle... Oh, I saw it on your glasses just then. Yeah, it goes into my uh, my okay. eyes. It looks You're an influencer. You got one of those influencer lights. Oh, good yeah, Lord. Dude. Yeah, just start taking your shirt off. The hits will just come. And like hold your protein shake. Oh, yeah. Like your <laughs> and then have a caption of some like bullshit inspirational content. Every time you want to watch one of your YouTube videos, this guy comes on and is like, look, your your cardio is not gonna do you it's just I just want to learn Greg's hot country licks. I don't care about your what the, I don't machine. Well, tell me what to eat in two seconds and then let me watch my video. You know, it's always like, I know the foods. That I'm like, well, bring it. No, he's gonna keep on talking, skip video. But yeah. We're doing real good. <laughs> All right, gear. 
Yeah. So I was going to, I was going to go into a whole new, I mean, uh, we could, topic. I don't know. I don't know what the wild, I think the oh. wildwood folks probably want to hear about gear though. Probably more. Well, every now and again, we talk about, we really just talk about anything and True. gear always kind of comes to the fore because that's, that's part of the fun. I get it. I'm into of, it. Of playing. Yeah. Uh, they sent me a couple guitars to play on the field. What do you, what do you got? This Ooh. little, this little beast here. This is a nice uh, color. Yeah. It's the Mary Kay. It's the uh, transparent yeah. ash with the gold hardware. Gorgeous. And uh, I plugged that guitar in, and my brain, it sounds so good. It's, it's a newer, it's new, like brand new? Yeah, it's its a—it's what they call the new Fender American Original Series 50, oh. 50 Stratocaster. So, All right. Um, but, you know, I've always been a sucker for ash. Ash bodies and maple Me necks. too. They sound good. They do. They resonate I, I, in the wave. Yeah. I crossed that bridge uh, many years ago when I got that first garage because I was playing Rosewood strats primarily right. uh, with varying types of bodies. And then I was like, man, you know, the Swamp Ash Maple thing, I think I need to check out. And yeah. then it, that became my vibe. So I love it. But you know what? It's it's interesting because I was playing a telly for a while with a Rosewood board, but an Ash body. And that was a nice little combo. Okay. I would be into trying that. Yes, because you got I the like pop it. of the Ash. We got the mellow. Of the mm. rose, but you know there are people on the inner Google that uh, wood has nothing to do. The kind of wood has nothing to do with the tone. I'm like, what galaxy are these people dwelling in? Because I know then we would I just have... make guitars out of cheeseburger. Exactly. I mean, like, yeah, that wood tone wood has nothing to do with it. It's but but but. I'm like, what? But then again, the internet. So whatever. The internet. Yeah. Although we're on it right now, so it can't be all. Don't bite the hand that feeds, Greg. That's right. <laughs> Nurture. Nurture the hand. Right. Right. So tell, tell me a little bit about this garage morsel you have, because I think that's the guitar I've seen you. Play. You've got some other morsels now as well. Yeah, I mean the morsels continue. It's sort of like a candy store over here these days. But um, yeah, this is this has been one of my main ones for, the for blue a while. Beast. The blue one, which is sort of a grayish green at this point. Um, but again, Mary, it's the Mary Kay finish. You know? Yeah, that, it's it's interesting because my Strat for years that was my main Strat is that same color. Yeah, it's just Strat a classic color well but the thing the thing about ash is if you have a sonic blue transparent it kind of mutates into that grayish green after a yeah. while yeah and i mean this guitar has been on so many tours and under a lot of lights and so i mean it's just in the outside so it's it's taking a licking um it, it keeps on a rock keeps on rocking but yeah i mean he's just he's just an incredible builder i mean just really one of those guys that that knows tone and and wants to work to get that tone for you you know what i mean it's oh, yeah. it's the real kind of boutique experience with, with him um but yeah i have that one and then and then this one is like an it's a 99 fender body uh but the neck was just kind of farting out and so so i got a don graciously put this grosh neck on it so ah, nice this guitar has got some new life but yeah those are my two, two workhorse strat ones yeah i mean and then there's you know like this this Ibanez is really great. Um, oh, this yeah, is yeah, like yeah. a, yeah, this was an AZ that we built together, which is, it's cool. It's got a real like kind of modern kind of forward super strat sound, you know, yeah, yeah. I put these, these are actually original gem knobs, which is pretty neat. I, I so see. yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of like generally the, the strat stuff that I do lives here. There's some cool tellies over here. And then back here is my, well, well, these are all almost flame maple. It's like uh, there's the PRS, the Collings. There's a Les Paul back there. So, yeah, yes. I guess. Yeah. And then the baritone stuff is over here. Um, 
So I See, just you're, you have doing an this situation going. I where do you keep all your stuff? I've got a bunch of uh, I've got two tables down in the basement, and guitars are just lined in their cases. So when I do my live feeds or whatever live streams, I bring up what I need, put them on stands. So I'm always going back and forth. So my my wife's latest thing is we're going to take out a loan and we're going to build a room over the garage and that's going to be your studio. I'm oh, like, wow. there's a pandemic going on. Okay. Yeah. I get crazy. Uh, <laughs> but that's what happened. So I've got, guitar- I've got some stashed in my room. Mm-hmm. I, don't have, I don't have a, you have guitars in your bedroom. I do. Wow. I do. Well, the 53 telly. How are you able to pull that off? Uh, I stashed. I, Cause it- I try, I thought about doing, and my wife was like, no dude, no way. You keep that stuff in your room. <laughs> right. Right. But That's she has a Pilates I, tower in her room. So I'm kind of confused this in, in our bedroom. So she I smash all the really expensive guitars upstairs. And there's only three of them. So I, I keep those in a very tidy little spot. Ah, yes. Okay. All right. So I like I like the 53 telly right next to the bed, just in case just, there's yeah. some kind of calamity. <laughs> Or I need to defend myself. I can. I was gonna say you could just like those are pretty solid axes. Just beat the crap out of it. It's lasted this long. I get it. That's an heirloom. It is. Yeah, fifty-three. Wow. And a weapon. (laughs) A weapon of tone. Now, do you have any? Do you have any guitars? I really don't have that many. I've got. Dude, I have none. Yeah. I I just haven't. uh, Well, they're expensive. (laughs) Well, there's no doubt. Uh, And second of all, just haven't really gone down that that path yet. I think the oldest gear i own is probably one of these pedals right uh, i think there's like something from the 70s back i think there's like an, an old mxr blue box from like the 70s or something that's up there and then sure. uh, an old boss ce2 chorus which um i think my guitar teacher from high school is probably regretting that he sold to me uh-huh because uh, those are those are kind of worth something now nowadays but yeah never got into the vintage and all my oh actually you know what that take it back there's a 66 fender princeton reverb Oh, there yeah, you go. Right here. That uh, belonged to one of my dear friend's late stepfathers. And oh. so I, he entrusted me with it. I play it a lot on sessions and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, so that, I think, is the oldest piece of gear that I have, the 66 Princeton. Um, well, it's interesting because there are uh, there are individuals, and I'm sure we know these people, uh, that um, there is some kind of an association with uh it's not real unless it's played on those old instruments. And I just think, hmm. you know what I'm saying? First of all, those guitars were new to those dudes back in the day that were playing right. all the epic stuff. Right. So now having said that, is there something magical about my 53 telly? Absolutely. But what guitar do I use on gigs? I, I use my new Reverend cause it's got all the ergonomic stuff I need and it sounds great. And it was made last week. Exactly. Another <laughs> one like this. Hey, yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I will never judge anyone for what they want to spend their money on. If right. it makes them feel a certain way, if they can get the sound they they want to get out of it, right. you Absolutely. know. And if it, you know, if it, look, man, if it keeps people interested in guitar, thank you. Like, I'm all for it. If it's right. if it's if it's because it's vintage and it's cool and there's mystery, or because it's brand new and it's technologically advanced like that's fine as long right. as people are still playing the damn guitar <laughs> well there seems to be a lot of people playing i think so i you know it's weird because you you read articles is the guitar dead or was i don't even really understand what that means i don't um, understand it either there's so much that is said about 
music and stuff online that I just go, you know what? Yeah. I go mean, outside again, to, to each <laughs> their own, but it's sure. like, you know, in the, in the glory years of the music industry, like when I was in my twenties, I wasn't making diddly do. And now <clears throat> at age, you know, 54, uh, I'm making the best living I ever made playing, but it has nothing to do with what I thought of being a musician was all about. You, you know what I mean? So there are yeah. opportunities with how, um, you know, the internet and so on and so forth have opened up. Like, yeah, the traditional ways of making a living as a musician have changed drastically, but yet other things have opened up hugely because people, there's no middleman that you can go online and see you playing anymore. You can go see me or whoever else and discover new people and, and be drawn into what are they playing? Do they teach? Do they have what? I like right. that record. Oh, they got, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a sudden you have all these different income streams coming in where you can actually make music uh, without, you know, needing, you know, the manager that knows the mafia that knows, <laughs> this, you know, <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Are you? <laughs> I don't know, the mob really make it to Wisconsin? I don't know if they. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, all right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, no, I, I get it, man. I mean, it's, I think the, the biggest thing for a working musician nowadays is you do not fear flexibility. Right. I think that's the one thing. Don't ever think, well, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to 100% do that. Right. I mean, now you, now having said that, that's not a, that's that's a good that's a good attitude to have when it comes to developing your per, your art, your person, like your your sound. Right. But as but as on the on an economic plane, be right. prepared to do anything. At right. least, at the very least, be prepared to do. You may not have to. Maybe right. you are just you and your artist and you, that's what you do. And it's working for you. Right. But for, for even for those people, I guarantee there are moments where they have to do other things and you have Absolutely. to kind of be, especially okay when something that. like a pandemic happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yes. <laughs> the great equalizer. <laughs> like, sure. Isn't that funny? When I was talking about this uh, uh, the other day with somebody we were, we were conversing about it. It's like, you know, the one thing the pandemic has done is, is that you're not worried about, well, what am I missing out on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> well, so-and-so's over here and doing that. And so like, Nobody's doing, doing the same thing, eating <laughs> right. crunch berries. <laughs> Gross. We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle-infested conversation to give a special shout-out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristle Tone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. That photo was from the Jakarta Jazz Festival in oh, 20... nice. 2015 maybe or something like that all right but that's the photo i think people see it and then they see an interview or something and they go this guy's just smug <laughs> it just looks like you're smelling something really good in that picture. i'm making the smug face you're going, oh. what you, it's just aroma <laughs> yeah right well it was jakarta where the food is amazing so i may have just wafted like a particular thing from one of the food trucks at the festival and i was like oh yes Yes. <laughs> After the gig, that's where I'm headed. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this: How much tour uh, prior to the disastrous pestilence that we are currently? In, <laughs> right. um, how often are you touring with uh, 
like on an international basis with uh, either your band or with the 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 puppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, uh, it, it's it's a lot of work. We're out a lot. Um, I usually do lately, at least over the past. Well, let's see. Let's see if I can, how to quantify this. Um, there's usually some kind of European tour with Snarky and some kind of U.S. tour with Snarky. Uh, with my solo stuff, it's generally been overseas. Okay. Uh, so I usually go to Europe twice for maybe like two weeks at a time. Um, and then we'll do, I do a lot of spot dates um, or short runs as a solo artist here where I'll go, you know, do three or four days in California or something like that, or a one off right. here, one off there. Um, we've done a couple like van tours from, from here in DFW, like up through, uh, either the Southeast or like the Midwest or something like that. And we did California one time. So, um, I think like logistically, at least with the travel stuff, for whatever reason in Europe, well, the distances are way shorter. Right. For sure. Um, so it's, it's a little bit more streamlined traveling over there, which I think is why we sort of end up there a lot. Um, and of course there's the demand is, you know, I have a lot of listeners there, thankfully. Um, so we get to go over there and, and play. Uh, and in the States, I think there's just a little bit more of a logistical thing, especially in Texas, because we're not, it's not like, well, we're in the middle of the country, but we're like South. So it's like, right. it's just a lot of driving. Yeah. Texas itself is a Texas. You can tour just into, in fact, most of the country artists that are based out of here play like Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana. And that's all they do. Right. Um, so, but with our music, you know, we need to get to the West coast. We need to get the East coast. We need to kind of do everything really. Right. Um, so I, I would like to, I mean, that was kind of thing before the pandemic hit, you know, right. we were going to try to hit the States a lot more this year on, under my own name, you know? Right. So, uh, but, but yeah, I, I'm on the road a fair amount Excellent. to say the least. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because people, <clears throat> You know, it's always interesting to me to figure out, you know, because uh, I've been doing this for a fair, fair amount of time. Yeah. You know, it's it's like how you juggle all the different stuff. Because, you know, you you have a family and, you know, you got to make enough money to do that. But you also have to make sure that you're home and you got to do this, that, and the next thing. So you really have to wear right. all these different hats. And, right. you know, I would say I probably average between 130, 150 days on the road a year. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of been the way it's been for 15, going on 20 years, something like that, which some people might go, Oh, you're never home. You know, like, yeah, but when I'm home, I'm home. You know right. what I mean? It's like, I'm, yeah, it's not like if you worked a, a nine to five job and you're gone every week, except for two weeks out of the year, you know what I mean? It's like, right. It's one of those things. Yeah. It, you just, it, it, I mean, really it kind of adds up. I mean, like, it's like you said, when I'm, when you're home, you're home. Right. You know? So, so I'll do, you know, like if you're in town, we'll play together. I'll do a show like that. I'll do a couple shows locally with, with my thing, maybe do some gigs with some friends uh, some recording stuff, but like generally I'm not out every night playing a, a club gig. Right. You know, when I'm off tour. Right. Um, and that's, that's just what, you know, if you want to live your life on the road, then you need, that's the, that's where you make your money. And so when you're home, right. you're home, that's just how it works. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, plus you're down in Texas where you can get good barbecue and there's waffle houses. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, but well, it's funny because every time we're down there, Dylan's like, we got to go to Waffle House. And then Toby's like, oh, we're going to, I'm like, Waffle House? And now they got me. Now, I mean, it, first off, I mean like, it's kind of awesome. I, like, sometimes it's kind of like, I think I would actually, 
prefer Waffle House over IHOP sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which some people might freak out that they heard that. But like there's a vibe like sitting at the counter at the Waffle House with the menu and you don't even really have to read anything. You just sort of point. Yeah. And then it and it arrives and there you can watch the grease getting made and then they, they give you the grease. It's just like a it's like this is American. I like <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta do that. You know what I mean? Delicious. Just sit at the counter and just grease it up, man. Yeah. So, I, I respect that. I respect the Waffle House vibe. Yeah, man. You gotta eat it. Let me yep. let me ask you this. Like when you're doing your Instagram video because I, I we've talked about this before a while back I think but okay seem to be a lot uh, more connected to well if I post it at this type of day time of day this is going to happen uh. it's just it, it's fascinating to me what gets a lot I mean just of my own stuff going well I posted this just at rando one time a day and it was this thing versus this other time of day I posted this and it did this and. And I don't do the hashtags and any of that kind of right. stuff because I, I I don't know what that's all about. If I did, it'd be like hashtag, you know, nut nougat or something. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> you might trend in a whole different uh, realm there. God only knows who I'd get following that. But be that as it may, not that there's anything wrong with that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. But I'm just curious as to, um, you know, how much you're – is it, is it very scientific or is there a lot of random aspect to what you do? It's half and half. I, I you know, I have like every, I, I try to post in the mornings on weekdays, yeah. usually around 10 AM central time. Um, maybe because I think I may have read that somewhere that it was like an active time, but then sometimes, you know, the videos won't, quote unquote, do as well as you think. And then you're like, well, maybe I should post in the afternoon on a random day and then nothing, then nobody sees it. Right. And then other times you're like, eh, I'll post randomly on a Sunday. And then it's like, <sighs> right. so I, it's one of those things where like you can really rack your brain and get stressed out about it. If you, if you try and keep up with the quote unquote Instagram algorithm, because I think they're obviously constantly changing it, this, that, and the other, it, it, there is sort of, I think possibly like a general, rule with it which is sort of weird is that like i think the more active you are on the platform right technically better the better your stuff will do which is kind of weird because then it's like well you're just on your phone all day <laughs> right i mean that's <laughs> you the know thing. and i don't want to do that yeah so i don't want to do it either i usually post stuff and i go and i'll check right. in oh yeah, yeah. And cool then, people and it's dig like, it okay well like if mark likes something and says something i'll say hey mark but then it's like I don't want to talk to a hundred people. I got shit. I got to go to the grocery store. Right. You know what I mean? I do a yeah. live feed and you know, then my right. wife's looking at me on the phone. What are you doing on the phone? Oh, I'm responding to, you know, nut nougat three fifty four. Who has said, a problem with my hat. Or nice jam. <laughs> Thanks nut nougat. I'm glad you enjoyed that flame muscle prayer. You know what I mean? It's like, it'd be all day long. Am I right? Yeah. But Instagram would love you for it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, that's, what's so funny. It's like, cause you know, sometimes like, and I'll do it as much with you, but maybe I'll start. I'll like, I'll like troll some of my friends, you know, their posts, you know, right. and, and it'll start this whole thing. And, and then I'll send them a private text and be like, Hey man, I didn't mean to like crap all of your thing, but like technically because I'm commenting and interacting now the video is going to do better in the algorithm. Right. So you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, you're welcome. You know, uh, but yeah, man, it's like you're the troll they can count on. I guess so. Well, I only troll my friends, and it's all in good fun. <laughs> um, I don't troll people I don't know because that's you're just an asshole if you do that. Uh, but <laughs> so, um, you know. It, it, it's weird, man. Like I used to think that there was sort of a science to it and maybe there is, I just haven't figured out. I'm sure if I probably like paid for one of those services that like does all the stuff for you and like does all the liking and all that robo stuff, maybe they would do better, yeah, but I I, that just it's, feels weird. I don't think I would want to do yeah, that. Exactly. I mean, I, it's just out. Yeah. I don't get it. I've been working with this, uh, this agent who's been booking stuff and their marketing person has my password. So every now and again, I'll see I'm Uh-oh. liking stuff. Responding to things, but but it's real. T- I mean, it's it's not over okay. the top. It's, it's all right. It's actually kind of yeah. handy. You know what I mean? But okay. But well, it's, but it's not very much because I think that's kind of weird too because it's like it just seems. But there's obviously people that do it to great. Well, that's effect. the thing. I mean, it's like I'm here sitting that saying I don't want to do it, but then there's people that have those services and they probably have eight bajillion more followers than I do. So it's like, well, okay. You know, yeah, I, I don't know. It's that's the thing, man. It's like there's no right way. There's no wrong way to do it. I, I, what, well, let me ask however, you this. I, I kind of in my just and, and again, these are just kind of my rando thoughts on this. Yeah, stuff. sure. Like, it's just kind of by trial and error, as you well know, you just try to figure it all out. But right. it seems, you know, all the different formats have their own cultures. You know, Twitter is hmm. completely bizarre and weird. Mm-hmm. And what yeah, I don't really for. tweet. Well, I've, yeah. I've started to to do a little bit more on there, and now that's. But you know, I I, it's it's almost seems like on Twitter, unless you have committed to being occasionally caustic, you're not going to get any follow. Uh, and I just won't do that. I'm not. Yeah. Gonna, I'm not going to comment on controversial things. I'm I'm just going to put an occasional video and say something funny every now and again. Uh, and then there's Facebook, and then you've got your personal Facebook page, and you got your band Facebook page, and maybe right. oh, you should start a fan page. Okay. I'll get that going as well. And yeah. then and then there's the YouTube thing and you and you go to all these different stuff but it's it's amazing you know when you post stuff to different places and all of a sudden you're like, "Well, I'm getting a bunch of sales from my from my website." And you, and it's just it just seems like certain things respond on different formats more in a fiduciary way than hmm. on a more of a popularity kind of a way. Would you not I agree? See. Yes, I think so. I, I think I wish, yeah, it's, I guess I haven't quite gone down the, the route of trying to quantify which platform is sort of benefiting me the yeah, most. It's, it's, I mean, it's because it's weird. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the two, I mean, I'm definitely probably most active on Instagram. Right. That's just the way I think, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just working out. Right. Uh, Twitter, I don't really do much with. Um, and then Facebook, I used to do a lot on Facebook. Um, but over the past couple of years, I've just know, I don't know what the is. I've just noticed that like, I think it's more of a pay right. site now, you know? Um, and so I've just seen my, my numbers really kind of steady oh, there, like just right. not a lot of growth there, but then like sometimes the YouTube thing will be cool for me. Right. So I don't, but, but then I feel like with YouTube, uh, this content that tends to do better, maybe at least for me is like the big production stuff. Sure. Yeah. Obviously takes a bunch of time and a bunch of money. So, so I don't do those very often. You know, right. I really only post that kind of stuff if I have a record about to come out. Exactly. Yep. 
But yeah, for me, it's been kind of just the Instagram thing and, and, and it's been working. I mean, like I quant, you know, I quantify it to, to record sales and downloads and then p- getting people to shows. Right. Exactly. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you, if you're going to be doing music under your own name, you kind of have to participate in some way. Absolutely. That's just the Absolutely. way it is now. Well, it's, it's interesting before, before the COVID, you know, we had been <laughs> yeah. starting to do more stuff with, with the trio and it was really going good. I would post online. Yeah. Let people know where we are, and and as to, you know, as you said, people just show up. And like, oh, I found out because I saw you are on Instagram. Like, right. Okay, well, there we go. You know what I mean. Right. And so, as you said, as, as a as a solo artist, especially, it's just it's uh, you have to do it. You have to do it. Yeah. I mean, or else, you, or else you will suffer accordingly. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's not all about the money, but you got to eat. I mean, what are you going right. to do? What are you going to do at Waffle House? You know what I mean? You're going to go in there and yeah, say, you can't go to Waffle House and not give them money for food. That's what <laughs> I'm talking about. Robbing the place. What are you going to do? Barter? You're going to barter with the people at Waffle House? Sing them a song. Play them yeah. a song on your guitar. That's right. Yeah. You play a little song. <laughs> Sing some waffles. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've been asking this question of folk, and All right. I know we none of us really know the answer to it. But um, great, here's my non-answer. Ready? Go. Yes. Well, we just in terms of the future, we have no idea. I mean, like we have this gig coming up in August, which they managed to, uh, you know, really. I they're doing everything they possibly they're can. They're doing everything they possibly can. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that that's a that's a no-brainer. Right. But you can't have that level of confidence booking a tour you know what i mean like all oh, right he's there and back well what if you get to the one place and there are a bunch of yahoos going oh what what pandemic metal you know and all of a sudden <laughs> you're being exposed to god knows what you come back with another horn yeah you know i mean like, like assuming you had one yeah. to begin with yes anyway so what are you hearing like from uh, I, I bet people are going into like late next year from what i understand yeah what, it's, what you, it's uh i have let's see so i have the i have our camp um in September, and this has been postponed twice already, the Dallas Guitar Festival. Right, exactly. Yep. Uh, so now this is in late September. I am doing like a live stream gig with limited audience from the Guitar Sanctuary uh, at the beginning of August. Got it. Um, and then I'm supposed to be going to do this thing in Mexico City in September for it's like a, it's like their version of NAM kind of. And okay. I'm going down there to do a clinic. And then I'm supposed to go to Australia to do a festival out there in October. But I mean, you can't even go to Australia. If you go to Australia right now, they quarantine you for quarantine 14 days. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I'm probably going to miss the festival. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I was talking to my agent manager and he was like, just prepare probably next year before we really can do anything legitimate and i mean that's but you know at the same time man i'm thinking like wait a minute so okay so the clock strikes 12 on june 1st and that just goes away like (laughs) right what if it's like could be longer than 22 i don't no idea man we have no idea well you know how have you done with uh like we just did our first one you know i do a lot of stuff obviously for wildwood and i do some Mm -hmm. stuff for fishman and those are just you know we go live four times a week and we just play and talk and have a good time and yada 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 um, but we did our first tip jar thing this past weekend because Toby was in town. And we actually made really, you know, pretty decent money. Nice. Uh, and I was thinking, well, shit, we did that twice a month. 
you know, and had new content every time, or as far as like, you know, we have new songs and do like, yeah. a, you could actually build up this thing where you, it might be okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, yeah, I got I've, nothing wrong with that hustle for sure. I, it's, it's, I would like to do it. I think for me, it's kind of more of a, t- a question of technical stuff and getting right, all that right, right, thing right. together and getting a place where we can actually do it. Right. Um, I was going to try to do one at a recording studio and the owner was like, man, if like the police see cars outside of here and oh, they decide yeah, yeah. to come in, it's a thousand dollar fine and we can I go got to you. jail yeah. for this. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, so, you know, but maybe if, if I can find a, a spot that I can do it, I'm, I'm totally ready to do it. I mean, I've done some solo stuff from here at the house, which actually seems to be going over pretty well because what i do is i'll um play a couple tunes and then like take some questions you know and so it's sure. more interactive yeah. and and more like half clinic half performance and i think people dig that so i'll probably start picking up on that on that regard a little bit more before i try to do like a full band thing necessarily but the thing at the guitar sanctuary is going to be the first one that we do sure and i'm really excited for that because they put in like a really serious streaming camera multi-angle vibe cool so awesome. I'll have the whole quartet. There'll be some people in the audience. So, you know, like spread away. Uh, so that'll be cool. And hopefully if, if awesome. you know, I can, maybe I can come back and go do that once a month from there or something. That would be there nice. you go. Well, well let's talk yeah. a little bit before, before time gets away from us, talk a little oh, bit about cool. the fearless flyers thing. Cause that's sure, uh, man. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Right? So how yeah. did that all come together? And did you guys know each other? I mean, how did it all kind of come together? Right, right. Um, I had met and played with Joe Dart, the bass player, once before on a friend's gig. Uh, okay. a, a buddy of ours up in Portland, Jans Ingber, put together. He's a great singer, and he put together like a super band, and we just played cover tunes all night. Joe was the bass player. And uh, so that's how I met Joe. Um, I had never played with Nate, but was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And I had never played with Corey, but again, loved his music, loved his playing. And so he... I got an email from Corey uh, just saying like, hey, we have this idea under the Wolfpack sort of umbrella to put together this group. Uh, You know, you would play baritone guitar. What do you think? And I kind of was like, well, I don't really know what I think because I don't really know what we're doing (laughs) or like what it's going to sound like or like who's writing the songs or like, what are we, you know? Right. And uh, so he, so I got on the phone and he kind of explained it to me and I was like, ah, okay, you know, I'll think, I'll think about it. This is what I said. And uh, then I called him back and I was like, that was, that was dumb. Like, yeah, let's do this. This is what, I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's do this. And um, so that's kind of how the whole thing happened was just an email that Corey had sent out to the four of us and um, got us all on board. And we got to the studio in LA this was, I guess, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. We just did our third one. So this was like three years ago. Um, and, uh, kind of the tunes kind of came in from all different places. People had ideas for riffs. Uh, we, uh, had some ideas for some old Wolfpack tunes that we wanted to rearrange. And so it was very kind of like cohesive that way. And, and, um, you know, then they told me I was wearing a flight suit and had to play my guitar on a mic- microphone stand. <laughs> and then again, I was like, wait a minute, I'll think about it. You know, like, I'm very, I'm very apprehensive about stuff sometimes. Uh, but again, I've kind of embraced that now. And so, so, so yeah, so we've done three of these records and they're getting a little bit more grandiose. You know, this time we've got horns and stuff and in a bigger, much bigger room. We did it at Sound City. Um, I just wish we could play more gigs, man. We were actually supposed to do a fair amount of work this year prior to the whole thing so uh, yes. no it's it's one of those bands that definitely definitely needs to happen live more than it has and and so that's you know that's what we're 
we'll work towards next year. Yes. Yeah. In the meantime, you'll be in the Metroplex. Except <laughs> for it being in Tennessee with yours truly. Except for that. Yeah. I'm going to bring a banjo. I'm going to bring. Okay, that's fine. I, <laughs> I don't know how to play one, but I'm bringing one. Yeah, I don't know what else to bring. I, mean, I thought it was funny. Uh, can't, it's, it's also BYOB, too, isn't it? But then oh, there's is it? Al- but there's also a bar. <laughs> so I'm like, this is going to be, this might be a mess. Like, <laughs> bring, yeah, right. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I don't have a banjo to bring. Maybe I'll bring that hammer tone thing and just annoy the shit out of it. There you go that yeah we'll engage in some spirited uh high strung kumbaya i'll play it very tastefully yeah i like it it's supposed to be on a lake and hopefully there'll be some uh well i'm gonna be swimming yeah i like swimming and i can't wait to show off my covid bod your covid abs oh my great <laughs> milwaukee bullum that i've been working on here <laughs> i'm sure you wouldn't be alone you i need to lose some i've got this new tune called i needed i need to lose a quarantine yeah and, i love it it's coming out uh, we right. actually recorded it. Sounds 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 pretty good, and it's about. Um, of course, it's about food. I got a problem. You know what I mean? It's like uh, stress eating. You know are what you I mean? Singing? Are you singing on it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The, the growler has returned. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a weird Al Yankovic kind of t- title, I think. It well, you know, there there's that. Uh, but um, you know, I got a thing for Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. It's like. <laughs> Say, if you dress, did you do a, if you didn't do a video for it already, you should dress up like the captain. Well, it while might happen. I was thinking of, a, of some interesting video activity that might go along with the selection. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm ready. I'll keep you prized. Please do. <laughs> Maybe we can jam it down in Tennessee. I'm ready. Send me the track. Unjam. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. The kids are going to dig it. All yeah. 110 of them. <laughs> Jazz millions. Yes. <laughs> So you're really? flying there, right, though? Yeah, I'm not driving. That's a well, long I'm drive. I'm driving. I'm not flying. Really? Oh, no. I'm Maybe I, should I drive? I think, well, I think Simmons, Andy Simmons is driving. Simmons is driving. Drive with him. Yeah, I guess I could just do that. You guys uh, could. Uh, and then you could, give each other, you could give each other the pestilence. And then. Yeah, we could yeah. both arrive with COVID. That would and be And then great. just spread it all about them. <laughs> we just shouldn't even joke about that. No, we but, really uh, should. Yeah, I have I'm to get drive on. down. I have to get on a plane on Monday for a thing up at uh, Sweetwater, and I'm kind of like, oh, okay. You know, I, I mean, I got to go to work, but it's, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing the event. I'm not looking forward to the flight. Well, and, and flying so, to Fort Wayne is never fun because you can't, you got to go through Chicago or Detroit. I have a direct on the way there. I have to go. I have to go through Chicago on the way back. And I think Chicago airport is just probably a madhouse right now. Well, I know. Plus they, just, because they're always canceling that flight. Although you, in this day and age with it not being terribly congested, you'll be fine. I would imagine. I hope so. I hope you're right. My experience is always where I'd go from Milwaukee down to Fort Wayne and I'd have to go through Chicago and it'd be finally I just got to the point. I was like, I'm driving down because I'll get there quicker if I drive. <laughs> So how long is the drive for you to Tennessee? Uh, that would be a 10-hour drive. Oh. You're going to do it in a day? Oh, yeah. All right. Man. Uh, well, I just picked up my daughter out in uh, – she was doing an AmeriCorps job out in Brattleboro, Vermont. Mm-hmm. And about a month ago, 
she was and she was working from home out there where she was living and then her living situation got a little bit weird with this person coming back who owned the house and she decided she's like hey you know i'd save more money if i just moved home and this was like on a saturday morning and i was like well how are you gonna get your bike home because she had a car out there she's like well mm-hmm. i'll get a bike rack and i'm like yeah right so i drove all the way out there that day well i drove to albany new york and that was that was uh, about 14 hours and wow. then um, woke up early the next morning, drove the next two hours to get to Brattleboro. And then we packed up her crap and then drove all the way home in one fell swoop. But the good, good news dad. is we gained an hour on the way hey, back. So yeah. It was only midnight when we got home and not wow, 1, 1 a.m. Yeah. But we did stop in little, little, little tip from the road and from my Milwaukee Bullum to you, okay. my friend, Okay, Toledo, Ohio, you got to go to a hot dog place called Tony Paco's. Are you familiar with the establishment? I'm not, but I, I'm a fan of hot dogs. Well, it's uh, it's it's legendary because um, Klinger used to talk about it on Mash because he was remember he's from Toledo. <laughs> okay, so it's been around for a while, but it's uh, it's called Paco's uh, Eastern European Grill or something. It's it's a hot nice. dog joint. But the pickles are ridiculous, and they're kind of chili that they have, and then they have like so you get a couple of hot dogs with their chili and the pickles on it, and then they have like a cabbage roll, and they got spatzel. Oh, nice! All right, well now I'm starving. Thank you. It is almost spatzel. It is spatzel. Spatzel. I don't even know that's how you say it. I think it's spatzel. Spatzel. Mark for the win. Spatzel. Spetzel yourself. I don't know. I, I know is I was hanging out with Martin Miller not too long ago, and he was helping me with, with my German, which is still non-existent. But anyway, so, so what are you doing up at Sweetwater? Is it kind of a uh, we're going thing? Yeah, it's um, I'm going out with Jackson Audio. You know, they make the pedals and stuff. Oh, they yeah, used yeah, to yeah. have Jackson amps, but now they're just doing pedals. And so they have a line that they're putting out, and I'm going to go help them just basically demonstrate the stuff. We've been doing some stuff together, uh, some content with them. They make some really cool really cool stuff so we're gonna go out there and do that with them and i think maybe like an interview or something with the with the folks at sweetwater so oh yeah yeah be kind of cool in and out little hang be nice yeah speaking of food uh when you're if you should be at sweetwater on a thursday they have a delicious non no bake chocolate cookie mark i'm gonna tell you right now one of the greatest things i've ever had and one of the greatest moments at sweetwater history for me Okay. was walking proudly into their little eating facility, of which, as a guest, you will be able to feast, complimentary-wise, whatever you want. Okay, I'm ready. And uh, say, you got the no- no-bake cookies today, and they're all going to give you that knowing look like, he knows what time it is. And all of a sudden, you Let's get that Greg. chocolate cheese. And next thing well, you know, how, What is a no-bake cookie? Is it just raw cookie dough? I don't know what the hell goes on there, Mark. I got to be honest with you. They take that stuff and pour, they put it on and it, and it forms somehow. But it's this chocolatey delight. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, I'm going to be there on a Tuesday, a Monday and a Tuesday. So I might need to call Maybe in, need in to advance. Pull some I'll call hey, my I'm guy. It's, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a I'm, – I'm braving life and limb coming here during pestilence. I want some no-bake cookies. I'm going to call Nick Lamondola. He's my guy at Sweetwater, my sales brother. And I'm going to be like, hey, man, I'm coming. I need the cookie globule sent to my room. That's right. Bring <laughs> as soon it. As, I, as soon as I arrive. That's what needs to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, on that happy note, 
We've had a glorious conversation. This was Great fun, man. You, and hear you too, you. buddy. I look forward to seeing you at the end of August. Indeed. And we will rock yes. at a safe distance, I might add. I think it's a big stage. It's a big place. I think you're going to be impressed by my array of masks. That's right. I need to get some cooler looking ones. Mine are, you know. Oh, don't don't get me wrong. We have we have uh, various different materials. Can I get one with the bottom half of your face on it? Hey, there you go. So it'll just be like me from the eyes up and then you. That would be really funny if like you had one that was like Joe and then and the Andes had one that was each other. And then like Brent had one that was like his eyes. So he had like two eye, like two sets of eyes or something. I, I just want to be Bane. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You could do that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Whatever it takes. All right. We're going to get these made. I got time. I'm sure there's a company. We do have a little bit of time. I, can, I, I, think, I, think, you, I think Hendrix, uh, the, the experienced Hendrix folks have made Hendrix masks. That makes sense. Before, That's so. cool. Just a Jimmy head or something or some kind of Jimmyism on there. I like it. Saying, hey, stay away, pestilence. Jim is in the house. That's right. That all happened, by the way. All right, my friend. Take care. Great All right, buddy. Have a you good too, one. We'll man. See you soon. All right, Greg. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. Special thank you to Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and the Mighty Fishman Transducers for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed yourself, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe and review so that people can get the word out that this is worth experiencing. Can you dig it? Thanks again. We'll see you soon, or you'll hear me soon.